Welcome to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast, where you'll learn all the best tips, tricks, and practical techniques for building the confidence levels you've always wanted. With inspiring interviews, real-life examples, and game-changing insights, this podcast is for women who know that mastering the skill of confidence is one of the most important things they'll ever do. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. This is Jodie, and today we are going to talk in depth about the voice in your head. Now, if you're not sure what voice I'm talking about, it's the voice that just said, what voice? And we all have her. She talks incessantly. She's opinionated. She's critical. She's scared. She worries usually about things that will never even happen. And she probably says things to you that you would never dream of repeating to anyone. We are focusing on her today because my guest is Rini Cavallori, who has just released her new book titled Head Trash, The Leading Killer of Human Potential. Rini is the CEO of the global transformation training company Aspire and the founder of the RCI Institute, an active thinking and people technology lab whose research focuses on human potential. She's also a speaker, the author of six incredible books, an avid traveler, and an aspiring jazz flutist. And you thought you were busy, right? (laughs) Rini says that successful people are not necessarily smarter, happier, or even more competent. They are simply better at dumping their head trash so that they can fulfill their potential, worry less, and have a better quality of life. Today, we're going to talk more about her new book and learn how we can get control of that taunting little voice in our mind that doubts our goals, weakens our spirit and sabotages our potential. So, Rini, welcome to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast. Thank you, Jody. It is great to be here. And I have to say, I love the name of your podcast. It is an aspiration to stay in my confidence all the time. I know. Not always achieved, but definitely aspirational. It's aspirational for all of us. That's the point, I guess, of the podcast. Now, when I saw the title of your book, oh my goodness, it explains what goes on in our brains so to the point because it is head trash. It is just, oh my goodness. And we've all got it. It goes on incessantly, as I said, and it's just something that is about trying to get control of because we we all know that when our head trash around negative thinking is out of control it's really hard to run our lives it's really hard to stay motivated it's really hard to keep our confidence where it needs to be so I just knew when I read it that you were like the perfect guest for our listeners because confidence really is something that comes from also being in control of our head trash. Don't you agree? Absolutely. Actually, the more head trash we have, the less confidence we have. Yes. Yeah. And what's scary about that is the more ego we have. Yes. Right. And so, and when ego is running our show, mm. so to speak, that brain of ours, our emotional brain, we are making decisions from the wrong side of our emotional brain. Yes. So there's two sides to our brain. There's the disconnected side that is where the head trash lives and our lack of confidence is there and our worry is there. We can have feelings of anxiousness or concern, but it can also go all the way to full out fear. Yes. And so 
we that's where the problems of life live. Mm. But the solutions live on the other side of our brain, on the connected side of our emotional brain. And there is where joy is, which is the ultimate goal. You know, yes. when we have joy, we we have far more than even confidence. Yes. And so, but we have solutions there. Our breathing is right there. We're collaborative. Our creativity shines there. So all of the good parts of ourself are living in that connected side. And the goal of life, as I always say, is spend as much time as humanly possible on the connected <laughs> yes. side of your emotional brain. That's right. That's right. Well, we're going to get into all of that and talk so much more about what's in your book and your research, etc. But to start with, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey. Okay. Well, I am a working class kid from Philadelphia (laughs) and I uh, grew up in a family where we camped a lot. And uh, my, my parents were both teachers. And so my, my wanderlust really grew from there. My desire to explore the world, my desire to understand other and be in other cultures. Uh, We were just talking about Sydney and, and being in the being in Australia and everywhere all over Australia, the culture is so rich Mm. in so many ways, in obvious ways. But I went off to college and climbed the corporate ladder and then had this opportunity to become a partner in a firm, which was very unusual 26 years ago for a woman in America to be invited in. My responsibility would be COO. And there was something inside of me that said, yes, I don't want that job. I know right. it's the job I'm supposed to have, but that's not where my joy comes from. Yeah. So I honestly, it was probably one of the bigger confident moments that I am proud of, because I can tell you all about the not so great <laughs> yes. confidence or lacking of confidence. Correct. Moments. We remember those well as well. Uh, oh, they're the ones that I, you know, when you asked me the question, I had to think about, okay, yeah. what is that really the confidence part? What happened for me was um, I, I realized something inside didn't feel aligned. And I asked to take the weekend to think about it. And of course, the male partners were like, are you out of your mind? And then I went home and I sat still, which really allowed me to get out of the noise. And that's where our head trash, head trash takes up all that energy because it's so noisy. Mm. And I could just kind of get to a point where I thought, but I don't like this kind of work. I don't really want to be partners with the, the, I love the partners. I loved working with them. But a partnership is a marriage. It's yes. a big commitment. And I, I walked in on Monday and said, thank you so much. But this is not the path I want to take. And by the way, I'm giving you my notice. Right. And they were like, what happened here? You know? <laughs> yes. So you listened to that and then went on to go into your own business then? I did. Here's the thing about confidence and ego that we were talking about early is my ego was loud in the head trash saying, look at this opportunity. You're a woman who doesn't, you know, you're leading women who don't get these opportunities. How could you be selfish? You'll be able to expand the women platform in the industry and all that kind. That's what I meant by noise. Like the right answer for for most people would have been taken and be miserable. And be miserable. Yes. And be miserable. And so many women have, so many women are still in that place, miserable. You know, I coach some of them are going they're like I don't know how I got here but I don't want to be here anymore you know 
I totally, I coach overachievers, mm. right? Mm. And, you know, I'm, count yeah. me on the list. Yeah. Total A type, <laughs> not so, doing crazy stuff all the time, yes. overcommitted. Yes. But I think what happened for me in those, in that weekend was I started shifting the questions I was asking. And this is how we get out of our head trash. Yeah. Because if I ask questions like, um, well, why shouldn't I do this? I stay in doing it. But when I started to ask the questions that were more empowering, like, well, what do I really want in my next career move? Yeah. What inspires me? What gets me excited? Nothing on the my list yes. was on that other side. So if my ego had been driving my decision, mm. I would probably have joined that firm and eventually quit and had a big, ugly legal battle to get out of my contract. All those things yes. would have occurred because my ego and also what other people thought because yes. other people weigh in on our head trash. And literally when I said, no, thank you. And they said, well, what do you, what do you mean you're resigning? What are you going to do? And I literally said, I don't know. Yeah. And yet that was, I would say, an incredibly important moment mm. in my life. Yeah, a turning point, absolutely. But you were honouring, you didn't know, but you knew it wasn't that role. So you, you may not have known the new path, but you definitely knew it wasn't the path that you were saying no to. It's like it's not just say yes because I don't know what the other path is. It's like I need space to go and find that other path and explore that rather than being down the path of this role that really wasn't going to match the direction you wanted, no matter how status, how much money there was, no matter what other people thought about it, you knew it wasn't for you. Not that you knew what the alternative was at that point. And it does, it takes, it takes a lot of confidence and self-belief to say no sometimes, to really go, it's just, it's not right. There's something that's there that's saying this is not the right path because you asked the right questions of yourself and got the answers that you needed and acted on it. So you are so right, Jody. It's about the quality of the questions we ask ourselves mm. that shifts us from the disconnected side to the connected. It's not just asking any question. No, that's it's right. That, that proactive question. Mm. So initially it was like, so what are the things that I'd like next in my life? And when we gain clarity of what we actually want, yes. the noise goes away. But when we don't have clarity, we have high levels of emotional stress. Mm. And when we have high levels of emotional stress, we likely don't take productive action. Yes. We may take action, yeah. but it's not <laughs> right. aligned and it's not purposeful. Yeah. And so to me, that's one of the, you know, having worked with, tens of thousands of leaders mm. around the globe, mm. my firm powered by Aspire, we were, we've been able to understand why is it that some people can really tap into their potential and others can't. And so it's not just having a mindset that's positive. It's about understanding how to manage the icky part, the, the head trash itself. And with the questions as, you know, obviously a fellow coach and someone who works coaching, I really take on that as the role of asking people the questions that they have maybe never asked or never verbalized that sort of need to be answered. And that's the power sometimes of coaching to get people to really start answering questions that sometimes they don't know to ask of themselves or they're too scared to ask of themselves because they're not sure they want to know the answer to those questions. 
So your listeners can't see me, but my head is bobbing up and down. (laughs) (laughs) So you're so right because anyone, whether it's our mentor or our coach or or our our sister, our friend, when people aren't in, in the job of giving us the answer, yes. They allow us to uncover it through asking questions. They shift us out of fear or worry by asking a high quality question. And that then allows us, again, I can't say this enough. When we have clarity, we can take that productive action. Mm -hmm. And when we start moving towards what we want, we get happier and happier. And all of a sudden we start finding more joy in our life. Absolutely. But it does come down to, who is helping you get out of that trash? And, you know, it's it's a muscle. I've built the muscle and I can assure you if I can build the muscle. Oh, and I shouldn't say like I wrote a book on head trash. I'm an expert. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yes. Right? So let's not get carried away like, oh, she doesn't have any. I, only when I'm awake yeah, that yeah. I'm aware of I have head trash. <laughs> but when I'm sleeping, I, I'm i not aware that I have any, though. Yes, that's Who knows? Right. Yeah. But so I, I think that that's the thing is that we can build this muscle just like we build a muscle in the gym for stamina. Yes, of course. Or, you know, mm. we build muscles in our life and that this muscle of learning how to ask powerful questions, ones that really open our personal power up. Yeah. Those give us clarity and then we can move. Yes, absolutely. So what does confidence or being a confident woman mean to you? Seeing as this is the secrets of confident women, we ask this of all of our guests that, you know, you're a confident woman. What does confidence or being a confident woman really mean to you? Well, I think there's a lot of places you can go there, but if I was to just share one thing, it's about living on the connected side of your emotional brain. Right. Yeah. And when you live on that side, so if you almost had a picture and of a circle and made it your brain and you had a line down the middle and on the left side, you wrote disconnected and on the right side, you wrote connected. You want to like move that line over and over and over to make the connected side bigger. Right. Because the stronger our ability to connect with ourselves, the easier it is for us to connect with what we want. And that's where confidence lies, yes. right? When I know what I want, yes. I can confidently move towards it. Yeah. When I'm in my connected side, I am a better human being. I'm a more confident woman. I'm more compassionate. I'm less judgmental of others. Like my good stuff comes forward (laughs) and I like myself more. I mean, you know. Uh, That's always a bonus, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, self-hate just doesn't really bring the best out in any of us. And we all have that. Yeah. And I think that for me was what writing Head Trash was about Mm. is this reality that you know, we look at people and we see them as successful, or we see them as this or that, but we really are equally full of head trash. And some just know how to manage it and dump it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when are you the most confident version of yourself, Rini? Uh, I think a couple of things there. First of all, I'm most confident when I'm prepared. Yes. Oh, we say that all the time. And I'm (laughs) I'm the same. 
preparation is key. We have an acronym in Aspire. I'm not generally big on acronyms, but this one I love, and it's called TPM. And we run the company this way. I run my, my own responsibilities in the company this way. T stands for think, P is for prepare, and M is for move. And they're in a very specific order. So when I'm confident, I'm thinking, I'm thoughtful as in F-U-L and F-U-L-L. So I, all of a sudden, I have a lot more power because I'm thinking, not holding on tight to any one thing. And then I can synthesize down to, well, what's, what matters most here to me or to the situation or whatever I'm in. And then I can prepare. So even for today, I, you know, I studied you, I looked up (laughs) about, you know, you sent me some information. I looked further versus just getting on a podcast and and not having it be relevant. And I hope Mm. that your listeners will will find something of relevance but I think it's because of this um again it's another muscle we have habits in our lives that are good and bad and TPM for me is a foundational habit and when I'm overwhelmed it's the first thing I go to yeah it's like what have I missed (laughs) which bit have I missed here Right. Cause I'm in the mood. Yes. Right. So I'm, I'm creating the chaos or there's chaos around me and it's just overwhelming me. But when I can step out of it and think from the connected side of my emotional brain to, I should get like a quarter every time I say yes. connected side of the emotion. <laughs> but I've been thinking, yeah, this is a good savings plan for me. But when I, when you I just need to, to find that, someone who's going to pay it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Think when I go to think and then prepare, yeah. it's in the preparation that now I have confidence yeah. that I can have the agility or mm. the kindness or the thoughtfulness. The things that I want to be are, are, more, are more available to me. Yes, absolutely. And I've actually been coaching a woman who has to speak in front of people for her new role and is terrified of that. And we've been doing a lot of that. We've been, yes, managing the fear that's going to come up and knowing what to do with that and expecting it because it's going to come up. But it's getting to that question of what do you need to do to know that you have prepared enough. So we had to find what those parameters were for her because she's going to deal with fear and like, you know, you're a speaker and I'm a speaker. On the day, we're going to feel adrenaline and fear and all these other feelings that you don't feel when you're rehearsing at home or practicing or writing out your presentation. I had to sort of get to this place with her of how prepared do you need to be before that point so that you can deal with all the other emotions that are going to come up on the day without also having to worry about not being prepared (laughs) enough, right? We've got to take that. We've got to get preparation handled before you step up to the microphone. So it is, it was one of those powerful questions that she'd never thought of what actually being fully prepared for her meant. And then once we had that list of things, she could go through and get it done. So that she knew that she had all that prepared. And then now we just had to deal with the fear and the adrenaline and the nervousness and all that sort of stuff, the feelings that came up on the day. So, yeah, it's that it is an interesting question to ask, but it's also that concept that preparation can give you that baseline confidence. You've just got to work out to what extent that preparation is for you, for you to feel confident on the day, you know. So, yes, I do know I've given over 500 speeches around the globe. 
well over. I stopped at 500. I started to do the math that it was frightening <laughs> to me. I, yeah. Like it was aging me yes. in the moment. <laughs> But I, one, I also, during that time, because we have these schedules for years, I reflected on, oh, I remember that speech. Yeah. And I, and it was like, oh God, yeah. I didn't want to ever remember that again. <laughs> and I remember like whether I hadn't had good sleep or I was bored with my speech because I had been doing too many back to back or whatever it was. And those were the imprints, the moments that have allowed me to get better. Yes. Because I'm afraid of that feeling. Like, yeah. I don't like that feeling of, I didn't do my best for someone. Yes. Like, I care. Yeah. And that's where the fear comes in. Yeah. It's that I care. Mm. So the other thing I'll say is that, like, please tell this person your work, your coaching, is that even after 500 plus speeches, I have a big new speech coming up on the 23rd of September. I have been working through it for three weeks. Yeah. Yep. I am preparing and preparing and I will be very prepared. And I will also have those moments of jitters beforehand Absolutely. where other people will say to me, Rini, yeah. are you crazy? And I'm thinking, <laughs> gosh, yeah. I hope I'm, I hope I'm good enough. I know. And, I, know, I, know. I don't know. Like that's yeah. not a confident woman. But when I put myself on the line, that's when my ego comes in. Yeah. And when I'm going to define myself by this moment in time, that's an extraordinarily heavy burden. Yeah. And so that's how I can walk myself out. So before I go on stage, I ask myself things like, who do I want to be right now? Mm. And how can I inspire people yeah. to awaken their potential in the next hour? Yes. And, you know, um, oh, what's what are the nuggets that will matter? Yes. And that shifts me out of, oh, my God, yes. what if I'm not good enough? Yes. Powerful questions again. Back to powerful questions. Yeah. It's the it's the right the questions that are leading you forward yes. versus a question like, what if I'm not good enough? Yes. Or what if this speech isn't interesting? Or yeah. what if they don't like me? Yes. Or, and I have to tell you in the book, you probably read this yeah. part. I was giving a speech, got a standing ovation and happened to be in the bathroom. And <laughs> this one woman didn't particularly care for the blue dress I had on. <laughs> and I could I, I'm writing about it. It's 10, 20, 15, 10 years ago, probably. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know. And I heard her talking about it, or maybe, it, maybe she, we were walking down the hall. I heard her speaking yes. about my blue dress. And then when the reviews came out, there was one review and it was, that was bad. <laughs> and it was about my, my clothing. And I was talking to oh a goodness. group of Women, yes, which broke me even more because women, yeah. when we're critical of one another like that, oh, I know it's nuts. Yes. But when myself was on the line about not that I might have, you know, like I could have been thinking about, well, some people liked me, you know, yeah. they gave me a standing ovation, or well, maybe I touched the other four hundred ninety-one people, <laughs> or you know, yes. or or maybe she just doesn't like the color blue. Yeah, but I didn't go there. Yes. I went to. Oh my god! Yes. I had to get rid of the blue dress. I know, I know, and I, yes. and I love that dress. <laughs> <laughs> we take on these one comment. I know it's it's crazy, and this is the this is the 
craziness of how our brain works. And but again, it's 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 talking about it like we are for other people to realize that that's just what happens. Just got it. We've got a lot. I mean, 10, 15 years later, you're laughing about it, even though you had to lose the blue dress. But it's the it's the <laughs> absurdity of how this brain of ours works, but it works this way for all of us, right? So it's just trying to help understand it better as much as we can with things like your book and all the studies that we can muster to understand how crazy our brains operate sometimes, you know? Well, what happens when we have these negative experiences, we get an imprint and the imprint yeah. If it's a negative imprint, it lives on the disconnected side of your emotional brain. If it's a positive imprint, it's on the connected. So the negative imprint was people will like my speech. They will like me if I don't wear, a, you know, if, <laughs> uh, they're, they're, they consider my clothing a really <laughs> high imp- of high importance. Yeah. To this day, I spend so much time thinking about what I'm going to wear. Oh, I have God. a speech on the 23rd and I'm like, oh, do I wear a hat? Maybe I'll wear a hat. Yeah, that's <laughs> not really, you know, like, I, I don't know yeah. if I like how that's, like, I mean, yeah. I'm obsessed about something because the imprint. So once I get a hold of it, yeah. now I can step back and I literally have, you know, um, someone who works with me and uh, his name is Brent, who's got unbelievable style. And I run stuff by him because he helps me get right out of it, you know? Yes. And I, I mean, it's just like, he's like, oh my God, this dress looks fabulous yeah. on you. And yeah. I, I happen to have a dress on too. He goes, that dress looks fabulous on you today. I'm like, really? And I'm like, I, I'm like surprised. Yes. Like, oh, thank you. Yeah. And all day yeah. I'm like, fabulous yes that's right that's right but that imprint really knocked me over yeah absolutely well I think you should wear a blue dress because you couldn't you can't (laughs) wear the other blue dress because you've already got rid of it but I think you should wear a blue dress Rooney to just almost say see I can do it 15 years later some of my some of my (laughs) girlfriends they're they're like all uptight about I want to find that blue yeah, dress. That's you know. right. That's right. That's those are the best stories. They're great. So you've worked with tens of thousands of individuals and teams, and in your book you say the one thing that truly limits potential above all other considerations is mindset. How you think can set you free or chain you down. Mindset and its greatest debilitating factor, head trash, known by most as the negative voices in your head, is the single greatest predictor of performance, potential and quality of life. So I think we started to talk a little bit about what head trash is, but what the definition, what do you talk about in the book around what head trash is and why does it affect us so much? So head trash is just the little people in your brain that are chatting. And there's people in your brain that are chatting that live in the connected side. They yes. built a house over there. And then there's the others. <laughs> yes. And and so you, you don't want to build a house of your head trash, but it's the it's the nasty little voices. Mm. The they undermine you. They mm. they make you question things that aren't relevant to question. And the worst part about head trash is that it keeps you stuck. And when you're stuck, you can't take action. Yeah. So Action is what creates what we want. Yes. Anything. If you want to be a good parent, if you want to be better at playing the flute, whatever it is. But if you are stuck in a negative space on that, you can't move. And mm. so it's the head trash 
that really holds us back that way. Those those little nasty voices, um, you want to want to dump them. Yes. And why do you think it affects us so much? It, is it just you know, we do a bit of work in the neuroscience space and understanding how the negative brain is stronger than the positive brain because, you know, our brains are built to be on the lookout for fear and what can hurt us. Is that why there's a stronger tendency for those negative voices to be on the lookout that makes it affect us so much? Well, I think, um, so that's a fantastic question. In my opinion, it goes back to what we just were touching on, which are the imprints in our life. Mm. And so we have, we all have imprints. Mm. It, they're happening all the time. And sometimes they can be very small and sometimes very large. You and I can have the exact same experience. Yes. You walk away and the imprint goes to your connected side. Yes. I walk away and it goes to my disconnected side. So imprints are in all human beings. Mm. And they make us decide if we want to do the work. Yeah. So to really decrease the impact of a negative imprint, you have to do the work. You mm. have to have habits that prevent you from going there, or you have to um, maybe have an environment that prohibits you. You start to ask better questions. And I, I'll use an example that when I was very young, only four, my brother passed away and it happened very quickly. Right. And of course, you know, I, as a mother, I can't even imagine yes. my mother's journey, mm. but it was difficult for us as a family. And then I just became a over the top people pleaser performer yes. so that mommy could feel good. Right. And that was part of the imprint. But the other really and also the biggest imprint was people can just leave. Right. Yes. And that's a big, that's a big imprint for a four-year-old to understand. Mm. Right. So, but there is also this other imprint that as I explored myself, you know, through my coaches and, and, and doing that work, I really came to understand that I also got some unbelievable imprints like life is short Mm make sure people know you love them. And so like, if you ask my friends, like I, I tell people I love them all the time and it's deep in my soul that I have this kind of connection of how I, how I value them, that I want them to know, or that since life is short, why not risk it? Like, you know, like go for it. When I started Aspire, I had an idea of, I just want to do things I love. Yeah. That's not exactly a strategic business plan. <laughs> it's and, probably the best by, one though, Rooney. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, I'm a strategist. So <laughs> evidently not a brilliant one, but at the time. So I I really had to explore, well, what are those things that I love and yeah. how can I solve other business problems using those skills? But so all of a sudden the courage, because people frequently said to me, how did you have the courage? Like my, I didn't grow up in an entrepreneurial family. I wasn't, I didn't have like money to fall back on. I was just going for it because I would be happy to serve corporate America, but not live in corporate America. That was kind of where I landed. Yeah. And so I really needed to say, okay, well, what's there to lose? Yeah. Well, Okay, my health insurance. Well, I can probably find health insurance and um, I can't pay my bills. Well, if I find clients that and I have a solution that serves them and I have relationships that I've built over years, 
well, something's got to give here. And so that imprint had an indirect way of impacting me. Now, I will also be, you know, let me be clear here. I didn't have a child at that time. I, you know, I had a mortgage payment, a car payment, and I had always saved my money because I was a working class kid from Philly. Uh, which, by the which way, another COVID imprint helped me a lot. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. Another another imprint. And in some ways, that imprint, I can remember in my early days, because we really didn't have a lot of money. I was embarrassed by not having money. Mm-hmm. And that motivated me to have money, not because of things, but because money gave me freedom. Yes. Yeah. My parents worried about money. Mm. There was the imprint. Mm. So all around us, we have these imprints, but how can we shift them? I think about Oprah. Yes. And we all know the story of her when she was very, very young and she was raped by a family member and and she struggled. And then she got into, you know, the news business and was criticized for everything. Everything. Yes. Well, she decided that those imprints were going to serve her. Yes. And that's the shift to the connected side. It's not that she ignored those experiences of her life or doesn't reflect on them and be angry or like myself, doesn't serve other women to help women not be held back by these judgments and certainly, you know, uh, hashtag me too. And these realities that she faced, I face, you probably face too. Mm, it's mm. not to ignore them. It's to allow them to do good. Yes. And that's on the connected side yeah. of your emotional Yes. Brain. Yes. Here, dime. <laughs> I want a quarter. A quarter, a quarter. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Now, I love in the book where you talk about the fact that there isn't a person on the planet who hasn't at some time felt like they're a fraud and that they don't know what the hell they are doing. We talk about this all the time, that we all have talked trash to ourselves at some point, even those that we think have it all together. And that having head trash doesn't make us a failure, it actually makes us human. So why do most of us fall into this trap of thinking we are the only ones who are having these negative thoughts? Well, I think first off is that we only know our thoughts. Yes. We really don't know another person's thoughts. So I'm just going to use the stage thing. You know, when I'm up on stage, people are thinking, well, you know, uh, she's got a business of 26 years. Um, She must know something, right? (laughs) (laughs) After last year. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, like we we perceive this thing. Yes. But we don't know. No one knows that I'm on stage left going, am I on today? Can I deliver today? Like having those worryful thoughts. So since we don't know each other's thoughts, and since most people don't speak the truth, Mm. actually, a lot of the book is stories, my own personal head trash stories. And the reason I share them is simply because here are my thoughts about an experience and the craziness I put myself in because of my thoughts. When I see whether I'm working with someone and they're, you know, making foolish decisions or being a martyr, or I'm working with a client and they're, you know, being a lousy leader or what have you, my goal is to really stay in compassion. And I define compassion. Yes, it's caring and empathy. But compassion is really being in a mental space where I'm not judging you. Yes where I'm accepting that that's where you are. And honestly, in the world, we could stand to do a little bit of that right now. (laughs) 
you know, that's what, where unification comes from. Yeah. So that when I go to that space in my brain, then I can be of help to another person because I can help them explore their thoughts. Mm. I can only assume their thoughts, which is a very dangerous place. But when I can ask about, you know, well, it seems like as a leader, you're feeling pretty down. Tell me about that. What do you want to do about that? And a series of other questions, of course, in a dialogue conversation, then we free ourselves. So I think that, you know, that's one thing. It's that we don't understand another person's thoughts. The other thing we have to know is that most of us worry that we're not good enough. Mm. And that triggers our really serious ick, right? Because our self is on the line. And when our self is on the line, our ego is out in front. And we usually aren't really great humans when our ego is out in front. (laughs) And so, or at least I'm not a great human. So I think that when we understand that we're not the only ones and we can't fix others, but we can learn the tools it takes to proactively and reactively shift in the connected side of our emotional brain. Again, we will decrease our emotional stress and things open up to us. Yeah, That's when the universe at large becomes available. Absolutely. But when you're holding back and in the cover up and in the, you know, the, the hiding behind, you know, it, then we limit ourselves and then we limit what's possible. Yeah. And I think it's also important for books like yours that do share personal stories and people who are willing to put their thoughts out, maybe that not their best side out into the world so that other people can see what's behind the front that we all give the world, especially now through, I was watching with my children last night, a show about social media and advertising and, you know, this frontage that is perfection or aspiring to be. But when we connect with other people that are willing to say what's behind, we start to then connect on a different level. Like we always make a point, whether it be on stage or in any of the work that we do, to say, I am a confident woman and I have days where I am not a confident woman. Like it's just, (laughs) it's got to be the truth. It's got to be out there in front because there's no point having this front when it's not the authentic person. And then everyone else in the world or anyone else who's looking at that or listening to that or reading the book, they think that that's all there is and that there's something wrong with them because, you know, they have different thoughts. But when you can all collectively start to say, yes, I have these limitations and I have these thoughts and when I've been a leader, I've thought that I haven't coped and, you know, we can then start to connect on a different level and have people understand that what they're going through or what they're thinking or the thoughts that they have or the head trash that they're dealing with is actually very normal and it's part of the process as we've said before, we've just got to find tools to move that forward and deal with it and not stay in that part of the brain and get it over to the connected part of the brain. Here, I'll get a quarter as well. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, what you're talking about, though, is a habit mm. and a habit of feeling connection through social media. But it's not connection. No. And so it's information that is packaged by the deliverer, right? And so then all of a sudden, it triggers these terrible emotions like fear of missing out or I'm not good enough enough, or I'm not beautiful enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not not enough of anything. (laughs) 
So a lot of times people, you know, the first thing they do is they look at their social media. And I always say to people, take a look at the habits and ask, is this serving me or mm. not? Yeah. And if it's not really enhancing your life, it might be entertaining, but is it depleting you? Yes. Now, if I'm on Facebook and I'm seeing my friends and, oh, she's on a trip and this is fun and da, 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 okay, well, that's bringing me some joy. Oh, I'm yes. glad you're having a great time. Hey, make sure yes. you go to this restaurant or what have yes. you. Then I'm creating a dialogue versus, yes. you know, I look at Instagram a lot. I have a 20 year old and <laughs> I look at Instagram and I see her worry about because she is really, she is like a party on a bike. She is a spin instructor. She's, she just found something she loves. Yeah. And you know how it is when you love something you shine. In yes. It, right. Yeah. And, and her posts, like people are into them and she's got all this joy that's oozing out. Like you got to love that. Yeah. And, but in her head, you know, what if she doesn't get enough likes? Maybe yeah. I shouldn't post this. Uh -huh. da, da, da. And it's like, oh my God, you have this habit that's actually triggering and enhancing head trash. Yes. You don't want to do that. That creates emotional stress. It prohibits you from your creativity. It prohibits you from being your true self. Yeah. It prohibits you from all kinds of things. And then you care about people like this person yes. who didn't like my blue dress. Like, <laughs> like, why do I care? Like, okay, you didn't like my blue dress, you know? So what? I don't like, I don't particularly care if you like it. Yeah. And by the way, you can't even borrow it. So there you have it. I'm going to tell you a quick story of just back to the blue dress because I have, you know, this. <laughs> I've got a story similar in my past. And the way I got around it and the way I get around anyone who, who decides to comment on something that's personal, you know, I have, I dye my hair lots of different colors. Some people don't like that. And I've got a saying that I say to myself that I'm going to give to you, Rooney, just in case something happens with another dress. I say to myself, why would I take advice from someone with such bad shoes? So I, <laughs> I just assume or I just know that those people generally have really bad shoes. And that's my little joke with myself going, but they've got bad shoes. Why am I taking fashion advice from someone with such bad shoes? <laughs> shoes and that somehow sorts my brain out to go yeah of course you wouldn't you wouldn't listen to anyone with bad shoes so in case that happens again you can use that so thank you <laughs> now thank at the you. at the end of the book you list 29 tools that people can use to help eliminate head trash and I look I especially love and use the words matter one I'm very focused with myself and with my clients and you know you know, my poor children who get picked up on the words they use all the time as well because the actual words that we use as you say in the book have power words have power so out of the 29 what are your favorites for helping to eliminate head trash or that you find that most people respond well to so these 29 let me give you some context so we surveyed over a thousand people and so there were a lot more than 29 yeah. but there was a natural cutoff at 29 Right. where a lot of people related. And so that's why it's 29. And these are really about the habits that serve you. Right. So they're, they're things that you can put in your life to replace things that aren't working for you. Yeah. And so the first step is you have to own your life, own your trash, 
and own your habit, you know, take a look at your day and what time do you get up? And, you know, do you start off on the disconnected side of your emotional brain by, you know, there was one time last year where I was watching the news a lot because it was very concerning over here in the United States of America. And I have to say it wasn't serving me and I had to stop that habit and replace it. So I'll just share some of the habits that I do each day that help me. I wake up and I, I meditate. Now, I have to tell you, I have a very noisy brain, even when it's not <laughs> yes. in the disconnected side. So <laughs> I, do I, well. I like a, I like a guided meditation. There's some, I think in the books, there may be also some on the myheadtrash.com website yep. that is free that people can go to. Yep. But meditation for me really gets me into gratitude. And that moves me into the second thing I do every morning before I even look at my phone. I, you know, I meditate, I have a glass of water, I journal. Now I also have a guided journal. And oh. so it asks me, what are you grateful for? So I yes, have, right. and actually there's a new head trash journal coming out, but it helps me. That's yes. what I've been using. It helps me really Answer zero in on. Right. To what am I grateful for? What is it that I need to focus on today? Gratitude decreases our emotional stress. And when we decide what our most productive use is that day, when we actually ask ourselves what it is, we increase our productive action because we've lowered our stress. So when we have gratitude, boy, that shifts our energy, shifts our ability to take action. And then I do yoga uh, at least four times a week. I'm right now I'm into power walking. Yes. I'm liking power walking because it gets my heart rate up enough. And I like to hike, you know, some people like to run. That was very high scoring. I always say, I only run if you're chasing me and I'm afraid (laughs) Um, other people like the gym. I don't particularly care for the gym, but then also things like gardening came up, Mm. which is, Know, people working with it with their hands, or you know, it might be more creative things like painting, and then listening to music that you love. Yes, is one of these twenty nine. So when mm. you start thinking, these are the things that decrease your emotional stress, so you can start your day in the connected side of your emotional brain. Yes. So now you have a jump start on the quality of that day. Yes, by putting yourself in there. Now, when I was watching the news kind of obsessively, quite honestly, and and concerned about, you know, know, we spend a lot of time in Laguna and California was really struggling last summer and and the COVID, 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 and it was sucking my energy and gave me a lot of head trash. What are we going to do? How are we going to get out of this mess? You know, these aren't questions that were helping me. No. And so it was keeping me in that. And so when I could walk on the beach, or yes. my husband Armand and I would literally watch funny things yes. on Netflix. Yeah. Like funny things, not blowing up things, yes. not over energized <laughs> things, yes. but things that just made us laugh <laughs> yeah. because it was lowering. joyful things. Yeah. Joyful things. Mm. But everyone now for some people like Armand, when he's watching something that things are blowing up, he's in joy. <laughs> so if you know for him, it, that's what works. So But my point is that when we look at these 29 things, first of all, it's not about doing a lot of them. It's about doing a few of them. Yeah. That that work for you. That that really, that that turn your switch on Mm. and that switch that is your motivation. Because when you have high levels of emotional stress, you have low levels of motivation. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because you're stuck, right? You're like, so you might be taking action, but it's frantic. And it usually we're making more mistakes. We're not focused. And so these are just examples of the habits that you can proactively integrate into your life. And then we already spoke about the reactive when you're in the throes of something and you have those bad thoughts and you've got to do something in that moment, you're in a meeting or something has Mm. happened. That's where those high quality questions come in Yes, where it's who do I want to be right now? What's Mm. the first thing I can do to move forward in this situation? Or how can I help this person get to the connected side? Because here's the thing solutions aren't on the disconnected side of your emotional brain. So let's say you're at home and you and your partner are in an argument and you're going, you're round and round and round. Well, you're both in the disconnected side. Nothing gets solved or resolved there. Yeah. One person in a conflict must be in the connected side. Right. And that means their ego can't be leading that they actually sincerely want to move the situation forward. Yeah. And that requires so compassion is on that side. Understanding is on that side. Yeah. So that's why that power. And I always like to say, like, imagine your brain yes. and put a line down the middle and then work on shifting that line. Yeah. So the connected side is just bigger. And it's even such a powerful question to say, which part of the brain am I operating from right now? Doing that self-reflection to go, oh, hang on a second, I need to stop and do something different. Because when you're in like a fight or something or, you know, in the moment of it's all overwhelming, that question will make you stop and really self-reflect to then be able to give you access to make a change or do something different or step away or go and listen to some music or get away from the news or change whatever situation you're in that is not obviously helping because it's bringing more head trash your way. So you remind me of a story just like the other night, Armand and I, it's a silly thing. You put in a filter into the water pitcher and you're supposed to let it run three times. And I knew we hadn't (laughs) let it run three times because it, it had happened too quickly. And I said, you know, honey, did you run it three times? And he said, no, once is good enough. And I said, well, actually, I'm not really comfortable with that. And he kind of got annoyed with me because I'm like micromanaging if he's, if you know, it, from his perspective, he's like, you know, am I qualified to stick a lousy filter in a water pitcher? Evidently not. You know, it's some kind of masterful thing. And so, and I remember, and I'm like over the sink and I'm running it, running it. And I'm getting like all in my, you know, geez, you know, like, thanks for the help. You know, you know, that whole thing. And then I saw, you know, I literally was like, okay, wait a minute. Mm. And I said, like, who do I want to be right now? And in that nanosecond, I was like, I'm being completely unappreciative. Like, I don't want to be that. Yeah, that's not who I am. And I literally stopped what I was doing. I walked in and I said, I'm so sorry. I want you to know that I do appreciate that you were doing that. And please accept my apology. Yes. I then go into, and next time, could you just read <laughs> the instructions? I just, I let it go yeah. because next time I know he will read yes. the instructions. Yes. And it was this little itty bitty thing. And that's the thing that stuff triggers us. You know, I believe that actually I'm really adamant about clean water. Yeah. And so for me, it's a, it's a bigger deal. Like yes. for him, he's like, you know, yeah. you drink too much water to begin with. You know? <laughs> Who cares? You know? It's so bloody clean after the ninth glass. Who cares? I really had to stop myself. And I think this is the thing that when we realize that we have the power to control our thoughts and therefore 
control our actions because here's the whole thing. I feel the way I think. So mm. F comes before T. I feel mm. the way I think. And then how I'm thinking is how I act. Yes. Yeah. So if I'm thinking you're not qualified to even do this water changing <laughs> thing, you know, I can't even say it right. Yeah. My actions look exactly like that. Yes. But when I got my thoughts back, like when I had that bad feeling, like I just heard his feelings, like, mm. uh, like all of a sudden I was like, okay, wait a minute. Yeah. So that's the, you mentioned it. It's about being self-aware mm. and self-reflection. Mm. And I think, you know, I can speak for myself. I've had a coach for decades, you know, a great coach helps you be in self-awareness and self-reflection. Yes. It's been a gift in my life. Yeah. And I can tell you of any success I've had, it's because of great mentors, people that really challenged me, yes. great coaches yeah. around me, great bosses. And mm. sometimes it did great. Yeah. You know, sometimes I wanted to really be greater than evidently I, yeah. you know, my sorry self was. Absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. No, so. I agreed totally. So you've mentioned COVID. And I know that you started writing the book before COVID, but didn't finish it until we'd already entered this whole new world that we now find ourselves in. How do you think COVID has affected people's head trash? Well, I think now, you know, I think we've always had head trash, but we now have an epidemic of it. Yeah. And it's everywhere because it's not just COVID. It's COVID. It's these, you know, wars that we are in. Mm. It's I can just speak for America. We have some real political challenges here and a lack of willingness to understand and find compromise. All of that creates noise and story in our head. And I think that's where this epidemic comes from. I honestly think that when we understand that we all have head trash, and that we all have one major trigger in, in head trash. And in the book, we identify four, what we call these big lies. There are four triggers. And every person has only one of them. Nobody has like two or three. Right. You have one. <laughs> thank goodness. And Thank goodness. Yeah. But I do have people who say, well, you know, I yeah. kind of like this. It, it doesn't work that way. The goal is to, is to contain this big lie because it only lives on the disconnected side of your emotional brain. And the big lies, I'm not going to go all into them because you can actually go to myheadtrash.com, go to the resources page, and then you can go in and take a free assessment on discovering oh, your great. big lie. It's and there's great. nothing, there's no shenanigans or anything like that. Yeah. You, you sign in and you're there. Yeah. You don't have to buy the book. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> yes. But the big lie, first one is I must be right. And mm -hmm. when I am talking, when somebody's an I must be right, they have got to be right. They're digging yeah. in. So when we're on the connected side of our emotional brain, we all like to be right. Yes. But for some people, when they go to the disconnected side, they will go down in flames proving how right they are. Yes. And helping them be wrong is not helpful. So you have to <laughs> yeah. really understand not just what a what big lie. Oh, and I should say, you never want to tell someone else what their big lie is. Right. You don't bring up their lie. You just know what it is because you can help. Yeah. And by the way, as coaches, this is an extraordinary, it's a great gift. Mm. Um, the second big lie is uh, I must never lose. Right. You know, and this isn't like winning is good. This is I yeah. am not losing. I am charging forward and I'm going to win at all costs. And all of a sudden there's like dead people all around me yeah. and I didn't even yeah. know they were in my path. Yes. So it can be inconsiderate. And that that's me, by the way. That's my big lie. I start 
charging because we're going to get to the finish line and <laughs> yes. you're either with or you're dead to oh, me. You know, yeah. Yeah. So the third big lie is everyone must love me. And these are love bugs. Tough love is too tough for them. They have to be in connection. Yeah. They sometimes have a very difficult time negotiating. So therefore they'll enable because the need for the connection drives everything. Yes. Like the people pleasers. Are they in that? Like oh, that? yeah. Obsessive, yes. but obsessive. Like I'm a people pleaser, but if I'm going down, if I'm losing, right. <laughs> and it, there's no way for me to win. I don't no longer pleasing anybody. You know, like I don't, I'm not focused on the pleasing. I'm focused on the, how are we going to not lose yeah. and win? Um, and then the, the fourth big lie, because we could have a whole show on the yes, big lies. We studied this. thousands of people to get to this over the last 25 years. Yeah. But anyway, the fourth one, the fourth big lie is I must always feel comfortable. Right. And these are my, um, I call them my, they go postal people where they say, okay, 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 okay. Because they're not, they're not necessarily lying. They need time to process. They want to feel comfortable with things. So moving too quickly or a lot of chaos doesn't turn them on. Yeah. Like the, I must never lose. And the, I must be right. They dig chaos. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. But the be comfortable. They're not like they don't look for this kind of le- high level of disruption. And so you have to give them a little space right. so that they can feel comfortable. But yeah. when you don't give them space, eventually they will get so ticked off that they no longer can stand it. And they blow right. because they're so uncomfortable. It's no longer worth not saying anything. Right. Yeah. So they tend to be super highly considerate. But unfortunately, it's like any great gift, you know, where the I must never lose can be really great at focus. It looks like they're great at focus, but really they're just in the disconnected side of their emotional brain charging. Yeah. And the same thing is true with each one of the big lies that when we're in this big lie, it really is our Achilles heel. It's the thing that our ego is now out in front and right. ugly is our color. Yes, right. So it sounds like it's really important to understand what that trigger is for ourselves so that, again, we can try to stop and know what's running the show in those big moments and try to take away a bit of the ugly side, maybe. Well, and also, like, for example, I'll speak about my own team. Like my COO, um, JC, he knows my big lie. So he'll come to me and say, so how can I help you? Yes. Or what do we need to do to win here? He starts to decrease that emotional stress. When we understand them, we can actually utilize them to lead more effectively, to um, develop other people and coach people more effectively, mm. to manage mistakes and conflict more effectively. Because this big lie is the ultimate hold you back mm. of your potential. So when we understand our big lie, then we can learn to manage it. Mm. And when we understand someone else's big lie, then we can have compassion to help them get to the connected side. And that's what happened with Armand and I the other night. If I can conclude that story is that I made him feel he's an, I must, I must be comfortable. But by the way, he's so uncomfortable with the big lies. He doesn't like that one. (laughs) But anyway, but don't tell him I said, no, I won't tell him anything (laughs) because he thinks. Yeah. So anyway, but I made him so uncomfortable that I I threw him into his disconnected side. Right. And he literally walked out of the room because he was so uncomfortable with how the situation was, 
you know, if, if he had been an I must be right, he would have explained to me yeah. that that is yeah. ridiculous that you have to do it three times. <laughs> yeah. And if he was an I, I, you know, so when I have this knowledge of, oh my God, I just threw the man I love into the disconnected side of his emotional brain. Yes. And we do that with our children yes. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And our friends, you know, we accidentally say something and boom, we put them in this weakened spot. Mm. Well, that's not where we sh- anybody shines. Yeah. Yeah. And so when we are aware of how to utilize these tools in a really powerful, effective way, we not only become aware of our own potential, but we help others rise. Absolutely. And that is a gift that, you know, yes. turns me on. Absolutely. Like, me too. Great. I love it. And we'll put a link to that tool in our show notes and on our website. When you start to understand yourself more, you can develop, got to be in that growth mindset as we, you know, is the new term and trying to learn about yourself all the time because getting new tools to manage your mindset, give you a better quality of life, give you more success, give you more happiness, reduce reduce your stress. It's worth putting in the effort to find these tools that you can use to your own advantage. And yeah, so great tool. Now I'm going to ask you our final Rise Women final power questions we have, which are sort of short, quick answers that we ask all of our guests. But what do you wish, what do you wish every woman knew? Uh, I wish every woman knew uh, that she has all the personal power and inner strength she needs to have the life she wants. Wouldn't that be awesome if the world could have that, Rini? <laughs> now, what is your superpower, Rini? My superpower is love. Oh, do you know what we have? Not, I don't think we've ever had that one. That is a beautiful superpower to have. I love that. Thank you. Um, heels or flats? We've got a whole shoe thing going on. I don't know if you've seen the cover of my book. We have a, a high heel stiletto on it. We're, we've got a shoe thing going on. So we ask all our guests, what do you like? In, do you, are you a heels or a flats girl? I am heels and <laughs> flip-flops. Heels and flip-flops. I love it. Uh, your favourite quote or rule that you live by? That's an easy one. Love is all there is. Oh, back to love. This is perfect, perfect. <laughs> um, who inspires you and why? So that's a tough question because a lot of people inspire me. Just even talking to you today, Jody, it, it inspires me to, you know, like we were sharing ideas and that gets me all excited. Yeah. So I think who I'm with, generally speaking, people inspire me Yes, right. um, in some way, their journey, et cetera. You know, if I was to name people, I'd certainly say my father inspired me because he believed in me and my mother inspired me because she like, she was just this extraordinary human who was changing the world. You know, she was out in front doing things that weren't popular to pave the world, the way for women, for children. And so when I need that sense of like, who do I, who do I want to be right now? Boy, I, I got that. Yes. Good. Oh, that sounds great. And finish this sentence. This is the last question for today. Finish this sentence. If I had even more confidence than I do now, I would. I would keep growing. Yeah, I I would. Well, I guess I would never stop growing. Like to me, my confidence is directly related to my my growth, my learning, my with my confidence. I, I just keep always saying, what else can I learn here? when I lack my confidence, that's where I go. What do I need to learn? What do I need to study? Who can I call on? You know, what else should I know so that I don't stay in this icky moment of I'm not feeling confident. I hope I answer that in 
I went around in a circle. I'm That's sorry. That's all right. No, it's good. It's good. Easy. Yeah. So you you just keep working on your confidence so that everything was available to you. Whatever you want to do is there because you keep building the confidence and growing and learning. Right. And and I think it goes back to like what we talked about earlier. When I'm feeling not confident, it's because I'm not thinking, preparing, and I'm just moving. Yeah. And yeah. usually that means I got stuff to learn because I'm doing stuff I shouldn't be doing. Yes. Yes. Look, it's been so fantastic to have you on the podcast and I just loved reading the book and I'd love to end today by reading a quote from the end of your book because it really touched me and it was really just a lovely way for you to end the book and also I think to end this podcast. And the quote is, seize every moment of your life, find the courage to live and don't let your head trash limit your potential and stop you from living the life you want. Aspire to more, relentlessly trim back the head trash, don't wait to do things that matter to you and relish the time that you have. Find gratitude in everything as it fuels your joy. That's what you most do as life is short and it's meant to be lived. And I really think we got so much of that from you today. We got so many tips and tricks and stories and your authenticity and your openness to share the things that you have in the book and the things that you, you've shared with us on the podcast today make us all really connect and learn and grow and build our confidence. So I really, really thank you for taking the time to be on The Secrets of Confident Women today. It's such a pleasure and an honour. Thank you. And thank you to everyone for listening today. And remember, there are so many ways that we can help you become the confident woman you've always wanted to be. So please get in touch with us or visit us at risewomen.com. We want to ensure that confidence is every woman's new normal. And we do that by getting our programs and resources out to as many women as possible. So until next time, remember, with confidence, anything is possible. Bye for now.